This is Elevations, new perspectives on science, technology, education, and the arts. I'm your host, Amy Reynolds. A lot of these could easily have been chipped out like in under a minute. This is a utilitarian cache. So even though there's a lot of artistic flair to these pieces, these things were meant to be used. Recently, WKSU's Jeff St. Clair reported on the story of the largest cache of stone tools ever found in North America, possibly from the Clovis people 13,000 years ago. Jeff joins us today to present an extended version of his interview here on Elevations. Welcome, Jeff. Nice to be here. Tell us about this find. I talked with Kent State anthropologist Dr. Metten Aaron about it, and he told us it all started when William Nelson noticed some odd animal behavior. The story goes that uh, a turkey was scratching under this tree, and the Scott Centia, his father-in-law, saw this turkey and went to explore what the turkey was doing, and saw a couple artifacts under the ground uh, where the tree was and, and started digging up and more artifacts came out and more artifacts came out and he dug out something like 70 stone tools and there were so many he actually got his son-in-law Scott to go with him then they dug out the other 90 or so that turned out to be a cache a prehistoric cache of stone tools that someone put there in the past they never went back to retrieve them the 164 stone tools were donated to Kent State, and Dr. Aaron and his team went to work. We spent five years studying this cache, and we threw the analytical book uh, at this collection. Based on the totality of our results, uh, we actually think that this is a, a Clovis cache, which means that it is a cache from the very first Stone Age Americans. Now, it's really important just to, to make very clear that even though we think this is a Clovis cache, um, we didn't have the smoking gun. If you think about doing an archaeological analysis like a trial, right, we're pretty sure who the culprit is, but we can't prove it conclusively. Um, but when we look at overall results, it's consistent with the idea that this group of stone tools is over 13,000 years old. Why would the Clovis people create and leave such a cache? They were new to the landscape and they were colonizing uh, deglaciated Pleistocene North America because they didn't know when they moved into a new area if there would be stone sources with which they could replace their stone tools, they would actually bring stones with them um, into every new landscape. And they would bury those almost like insurance. If they, they couldn't find new sources of stone, they could go back to their cache. Now, later groups also buried caches. But what's different between Clovis caches and post-Clovis caches is that Clovis caches consist of tools that are unfinished. They didn't know what they might need their stones for, so they left their stone tools in an unfinished state. What we see for almost every other cache that we know of in Ohio that's post-Clovis, the tools are completely finished because usually they're burying uh, those stone tools as an offering. So the Nelson cache, which is what we're calling this latest discovery, is unfinished tools. And that's one of the big pieces of the puzzle why we think that this is actually a Clovis cache. I asked Dr. Aaron what we know about these people. The Clovis people were amazing. Uh, they were the very first Stone Age colonizers of most of North America. They invented a, a piece of weaponry called the fluted point, which is just an incredible piece of hunting equipment. It was also a multifunctional tool that allowed them to, to cut things and, and pry things and, and do all sorts of stuff. What's really cool about these Clovis caches, and there's only 10 or 11 confirmed Clovis caches across the continent, right? So what we think is that these caches were buried for a rainy day, but that rainy day never came. And, and so the Clovis people just never had to come back to this insurance uh, cache of stone tools, and, and it was left there for 
13,000 years for us to find uh, today, which is amazing. There's probably a lot of other caches that were buried that we don't find because the Clovis people went back to them and, and had to utilize those stone tools. And, and so they're gone from history. So we've got these little instances uh, across North America of someone planning for a, a bad day and, and they never had it, which is kind of positive when you think about it. What drew these Ice Age hunters to Ohio? For some reason, there was a concentration of Clovis in, in Ohio, um, and, and we're not entirely sure why. We get their weaponry all over the place. There's lots and lots of big Clovis sites. It may have to do with the fact that at the end of the Pleistocene or the Ice Age, uh, this was a deglaciated landscape, so completely new, completely open. And, and so maybe Clovis folks were exploiting uh, a very sort of pristine and productive environment. You know, maybe there was lots of caribou around or other animals that they could hunt. Whatever reason, we just we find lots and lots of Clovis folks in this area. In fact, northern Ohio is, is in the lower Great Lakes has become one of the best places in the entire world to study prehistoric colonization, which makes the archaeology of Ohio pretty special. I asked Dr. Aaron where the raw material for the stone tools came from. The Nelson Cache rock that they made their tools on comes from Flint Ridge and also Upper Mercer, uh, which is centered in Coshocton, and Upper Mercer is a blue type of chert. We actually did uh, some analyses, and, and we found out that the Nelson Cache is about 50 kilometers away from both of those sources, so it is still a fairly long distance. And so if you think about it, you're Stone Age colonizer, and you're at the, either the Upper Mercer outcrop or the Flint Ridge stone source, and you don't know where you're going next. You're going at least 50 kilometers. You're going to gear up with extra stuff, and so they probably put that cache in Mount Vernon, Ohio. So if they go another 50 kilometers, they don't have to then double back 100 kilometers. They only have to go halfway. So just a well-planned group of people. <laughs> The Clovis people were, were hunter-gatherers that were very highly mobile, and, and so their sites generally are very ephemeral. They were moving around constantly. That's what you would expect for colonizers of an unfamiliar landscape. They're, they're moving around as much as possible uh, to learn the landscape. Um, you know, if tragedy hits where you're located and you haven't done that hard work of moving around and learning, then you're going to be in a lot of trouble because you don't know where to go for resources. But if you've been moving around a lot, learning this new landscape, uh, if tragedy strikes, you can say, oh, I know where there's water, or I saw a big herd over there, and, and then you can save yourself and your group. We've been hearing from Dr. Metten Aaron, an anthropologist at Kent State University. He was interviewed by WKSU's Jeff St. Clair. What will ultimately happen to the tools, Jeff? They'll become part of the collection at the Cleveland Museum of Natural History. Thanks for sharing your reporting with us, Jeff. My pleasure. Elevations is produced by Joe Gunderman and John Nungesser. I'm Amy Reynolds, Dean of Kent State's College of Communication and Information. Join us every Saturday morning on 89.7 and hear this and past interviews at wksu.org slash elevations.